Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Heat and Locked On Spurs, a special crossover episode. My name is... Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ramil and Locked On Spurs host Jeff Garcia. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing pretty good. Excited for some Spurs Heat basketball. Friday night at 8.30 Eastern time in San Antonio. The Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs will be playing in a preseason game. That's this Friday. Um, is that on national TV? It's not. I think it's just on no. local no, networks. Because the NBA apparently has an issue with preseason games being televised. I don't get it. Like, we've already, it's unbelievable. Like, why aren't all <laughs> I, these games on League Pass? It's, I've already talked well, about it. I can't even, not, it's not, so not only that, I mean, if they're willing to put summer league games on <laughs> for free, but preseason games aren't, is a big no no. Well, and I they think, have that mile radius that you can't watch it if you live outside 150 miles of the host city. Yeah, I live. I live in a suburb outside of Oakland. I can't watch Warriors games. I cut the I cut the cord a long time ago, and mm-hmm. so I don't have like regular cable. and um, And the Warriors are on an NBC NBC Sports out here, which I don't get because that's regular cable basically. So I can't even watch Warriors games, even though I live like nine miles from <laughs> from the arena, from Oracle. It's insane. That's so lame. <laughs> well, I know that the Magic were were doing some uh, broadcast via Facebook Live. I think within that same seventy five mile radius for some reason. But then I've also seen the argument about preseason games and why they're not covered. I guess it's just not cost effective in order to do so because the the actual cost of bringing broad broadcast crews and trying to televise it and knowing that you're selling out, you know, infrequently. I, I mean. Most of those arenas have been very empty from what I have yeah. seen of games. That even the ones televised on NBA TV, you know, there's not a lot of people going there. And so I guess the, the justification for Summer League is at least they're all in one place and it's just one week's worth of broadcast. So it makes sense. They're not moving around from place to place if you want to broadcast or it's one central broadcast. And again, maybe the rookies also, they, I guess they're they attract not, a little bit more attention. If they're not televising it, is it not being broadcast? That's what, like... Well, we've seen the, the televised signal through the Jumbotron feed. I think yeah. mm-hmm. a, a different a number of sources have, have like especially like a couple of days ago when it was the the Wolves hosting the Heat, there was a Jumbotron feed that somehow wound up leaking out and, and it's on YouTube for some reason. But it's oh, wow. kind of bizarre. Yeah. So it's there. So I don't know who it is that has access to that, but I'd be worried about their job. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's like copyright stuff, right? Because Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird because, you know, everybody wants to see it and you want this stuff to be accessible. But at the same time, they're being very strict about it. And, you know, well, well, there's all that forward thinking as the NBA well, is. It is weird that we can't watch every like it's there. Even though it's preseason, it is basketball games happening in basketball arenas. It's weird that we can't watch it. And and nevertheless, if somebody can leak um, a big screen feed from the arena, why can't League Pass do the same? Right. right. Just feed it right like, through the. 
just feed it right through and that's it you're done we're good and then guess what you increase fan um membership you increase more looks at the product Mm -hmm. uh, i heard one idea that you just just make sense you make the preseason version of league pass free yeah so you can watch any game and that's like a great way to get people into the product and pay the 200 dollars it is for for regular league pass or whatever i think it's 200 dollars, right for league pass like I, I think that's like like a nice little free trial version for the first. They do have one. They do have one. They do. They, I, I don't know exactly at one point it is, but they do extend the free trial version. That's that's what hooked me up in the first, or hooked me in rather in the first place was a few years ago before I was even writing about basketball. I saw the the free trial version. I was like, huh, this is pretty awesome. I get to watch all these games <laughs> that I don't normally get a chance to see, and it's pretty cool. But anyway. Let's move on because I think everybody's probably bored by now, and we want we do definitely want to talk some Heat Spurs basketball. Not quite the same context this season as it has been in recent times. You know when it had a lot more weight attached to a, a Heat Spurs matchup. Yeah, I mean, yeah. both teams yeah. have lost franchise players. It, that it's pretty amazing. Dwayne Wade's gone from the Heat. Tim Duncan is gone. The Spurs seem to be kind of rolling on. They replaced Duncan with Pau Gasol for whatever you know, and and. They keep the they, they seem to be chugging along and still competing, probably a top three seed in the West, while the Heat are completely dismantled and rebuild. And that's I guess my first question um, to Jeff. Do you see it as that? Duncan's gone, but they're still just kind of chugging along even without Duncan? They're in transition light right now. And I would put it as the best way heading into the post Tim Duncan era. You still have Kawhi, Lamarcus, Pop. Parker and Manu, not a bad core right there uh, for any NBA team. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, two-time defensive uh, NBA player of the year. Uh, Lamarcus is LMA. You know, he does his damage. Manu still has some some stuff in the tank, and then Parker. Well, that's a whole other show. And uh, Popovich is still there, reining uh, it in and making it the law his way and putting out a great team on the court. But no. Heading into this new season, it's it's pretty much transition for San Antonio. They brought in a bevy of young players, DeJounte Murray out of the draft. They brought in some of their foreign, foreign prospects this offseason. And they brought in young players that have had some NBA experience, like Dwayne Dedman. So they're in a tr- transition period right now, but it's not a complete rebuild. I think they're going to do the same approach they did with the, big, the original Big 3, now with the Big 2. Kawhi and LaMarcus and start building pieces around those two guys going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, you can't call it a complete rebuild because they signed Pau Gasol. And it does seem like they'll have a good team. As, as far as the Heat go, that is a, almost a complete rebuild. Sure, Bosch left under unfortunate circumstances that not, weren't necessarily designed but and Goran Dragic is still there. He's thirty years old, so he's not a young guy. But mostly that team is rebuilt. So that's kind of it, it's pretty striking the difference there. The Spurs seem to have been able to find guys that kind of fit their system. While the Heat are looking for, they're basically introducing a new system. Same coach, just like the Spurs. Eric Spoelstra is still there. It's his ninth NBA season with the Heat. But really, it's going to be a whole new scheme, a whole new set of players, a whole new personality, right? Yeah, I, I mean the reality is. You know, they, they've always built around a core of veterans. You know, everything changed in 2010 when they added the big three there. And although LeBron left four years later, they still had that main core of Wade and Bosch. Uh, you know, obviously, 
Bosch's recurring blood clots changed the way that they could do things. And, you know, they're, you know, for better or for worse, Wade was no longer part of the team. Maybe he was forced out. Maybe he wasn't. But either way, he's not part of this roster. So now is a, a new phase for the Heat. Moving forward, they, they added Goran Dragic a year and a half ago. He didn't always mesh perfectly well with Dwayne Wade alongside him. But now it's his team, and they've added Hassan Whiteside, or re-signed Hassan Whiteside, at quite a chunk of money, $98 million. So he's probably going to be the focus point of the team moving forward, a tandem alongside him, and then also their younger core, which includes Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and, of course, the re-signed Tyler Johnson, who signed for a four-year deal worth about $50 million. So that's that's their core moving forward. You know, In the past, they've always had their veteran core, and they've added other veterans who are willing to come in on the cheap or maybe a young player here and there who might be able to develop under that roster. But now it's a completely different ballgame, a much younger core, and they're going to still try to add new pieces here and there. But for the most part, this year at least, they've added guys on short-term deals who may be able to contribute – uh, either this year or beyond that, but they're looking to make a name for themselves or reestablish themselves in some cases. Uh, you know, guys like Derek Williams, Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and others. They're looking to kind of make a, a name for themselves and, and and really establish some kind of consistency in their game. I'm glad you brought up Deion Waiters because you mentioned a new face of the franchise, and I think it's ar- inarguable that that is going to be Deion Waiters. He's the next big superstar Hall of Famer. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure Spurs fan want to hear about that after his his run-in <laughs> with Manu Ginobili in the playoffs. Well, I yeah, to, it was just an oh. I did just an obvious foul on the from the sideline, <laughs> technical foul, but that's okay. No, it it doesn't matter. I wanted to ask you, Jeff, about that. I mean, Heat fans, a, a reference point for Heat fans has been Waiter's performance in the playoffs last season, specifically against the Spurs. He played well on both sides of the floor. What was your impression of Deion Waiters in the playoffs last year? My impression was, okay, now he comes alive. Now he is the Deion Waiters that we saw in his Cleveland days. Uh, I like the kid. He is a great uh, player to add to a uh, Miami roster. He's going to get reps. He's going to get the minutes on the court. Y'all mentioned that this is a rebuilding uh, season Well, going forward for Miami. He's explosive. He's He can shoot the ball. He's, he's kind of beefy. He's a big guy. So he'd be able to push some players around, mainly from yeah. the sidelines. And uh, <laughs> I had to get it in there. Of course. But he, think about this. He's also coming from at least the time when he was a, uh, an OKC with that type of uh, deep playoff experience. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe they didn't do all the way. Maybe they didn't make it to the finals, but they got to the to the Western Conference finals. So maybe he'll bring that type of – they blew a 3-1 lead. They blew a 3-1 lead, but, I mean, still – there's still that dynamic of, well, he's bringing something else aside from numbers, right. uh, an idea of what it is to get past the first, the second, and into uh, conference finals. And they're going to need that. You lose Dwayne Wade. You lose Chris Bosh. Who are your veterans' presence now? Re- think about that. Who is going to be that locker room guy, that person on the court that's going to rally the troops and get them going and that these young players – that are on the Miami roster before uh, right as the regular season kicks off to show them like, no, this is how it's done. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon and so on and so forth. So solid pickup. But I have a question for you guys. What is Miami's identity? When I look at this heat, I'm like, I don't know who this team is anymore. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of, from what we've seen in the preseason, they're going to try to, push the ball more. They're going to try to play faster. Goran Dragic has really got the ball in his hands. 
So I think it's going to be a lot of the pace and space that Eric Spolster loved playing with during the Big Three era that he had to kind of get away with really in that last year of the Big Three and the two years after LeBron left. I think Spolster is going to have his imprint on the team more than ever. Like Because when he was the coach two years before the Big Three, but it wasn't a very good roster. They were really gearing up for that that run of the 2010 uh, free agency. But and then after that, when they got LeBron and Bosch, it was really a team ran by stars. And now it's all the stars are gone. You know, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch—they're all gone. So I feel like Spolstra is the the big boy in the household right now. He's the man of the house, and he's got to come in. And I now I think the team is going to rally around whatever his ideals are and what what his principles are, and not so much LeBron deciding. You know how he's going to facilitate the ball or Wade wanting to take the ball up the floor even though he's a shooting guard and play with this extreme usage percentage. That, I think, is going to be the identity, but we don't know what that is necessarily because we've never seen this opportunity presented to Spo. but I think he's a good enough coach to take this and run with it, and I think through this preseason we've seen a lot of good ball movement, we've seen a lot of interesting plays, I, I'm really, from an aesthetic standpoint, I'm really excited for the season just to see what Spo can do as far as running the offense. Yeah, and I'll add to your previous point about where the leadership comes from. That's that's a difficult question, and one Wes and I have debated on a number of occasions. And I think there's actually going to be two different leadership voices. I think off the floor, it's going to be Udonis Haslam, who's been with the team for 13 seasons and has been there kind of bridging the gap between the two different uh, the two different championship eras in Miami. So he's going to be their most vocal veteran presence. He led off-season workouts. He's been there responding to questions about Bosch, about Wade, about the team's future. Um, and he's probably going to be the guy to help rally the troops. And again, he does have that experience showing them how to move forward. And, and he's already worked together with Hassan Whiteser during the past year and a half that he's been on the roster. So he's, he's already worked closely with a lot of the people that are on the team. And as far as the new guys – He'll be that 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 most vocal leader. But as far as on the floor is concerned, that's up for debate. Uh, from what we've seen, it's likely to be Goran Dragic. He's setting the pace. He's talked about being the vocal leader of the team. But we also heard some of that from Hassan Whitehead himself, saying that he wants to lead by example. If not necessarily being a vocal guy on the floor, he's going to be leading the team as far as uh, overall production is concerned. And from what we've seen of his preseason, he's virtually unstoppable. His numbers per 36 minutes, I think he's averaging almost 30 points per game. And although he's not playing that much in the preseason because it's the preseason, he's been incredible to watch. I mean, his chemistry with Dragic is already in effect, but as long he's also got some kind of connection going with Winslow and others, and he's just catching lobs seemingly at will. And again, you take it for what it is, a small sample size in the preseason against inferior competition, but he's been very, very dominant. And, you know, if there were any questions regarding how he'd bounce back from a big contract, you know, a lot of people suspected that the contract year phenomenon was going to be what, you know, the carrot that was dangled in front of him and that he was going to taper off someone in terms of overall production. That hasn't been the case. I had a question. Uh, I have a, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, I actually have a two a two part question. Is is this what happened with the whole Bosch thing? I mean, if you could just like lay it out and maybe the simplest terms. And sure. then two, I, don't, I had a quick fan question before the uh, the show started. Uh, when Wade was playing with Miami, what got him going in the uh, playoffs? Like, 
And the reason they asked that, the fan asked that, is because you see you see him wait at an advanced age, quote unquote, for NBA standards, mm-hmm. but yet he was able to have that ability to just turn it on. Is it that's just typical Wade, or was that something more going on in that those uh, postseasons? Which one do you want, David? You go ahead and take the Bosch one because I know you're so happy to talk about Bosch yet again. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked you because I know we both wanted the Wade question. So the Absolutely. Bosch thing, the <laughs> the the um, basically with Chris Bosch about two seasons ago at the All Star break, or two, I guess you know the All Star break of two seasons ago, he dealt with. Um, what he didn't know at the time was, but what was, uh, a blood clot. And he was uncomfortable. He got it checked out, dropped out of the All-Star game, got it checked out. Turns out to be a blood clot. And he, you know, with that, he wasn't eligible. He, you know, he was sidelined for the rest of the season dealing with that. Um, at that point, the team had traded for Goran Dragic. They were trying to make a playoff run. They didn't get into the playoffs. Instead, they fell into the lottery, ended up drafting Justice Winslow. That's a whole other story. And this last season, he came back, right? And he looked good. And then right at the All-Star break again, another blood clot. And from the initial reports, from what we understood, he didn't have this this gene that made recurring blood clots a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't there wasn't a gene in his body that said, you're going to have blood clots forever. Like, that was the initial report. But he didn't... He, Tried to return, he rehabbed, he got back in playing shape, he went back for a physical, and this mo- and you know I'm skipping over a lot. Like he tried to get back on the floor yeah. for the playoffs, and he didn't. But regardless, he was always rehabbing and trying to recover. And he went back for another physical very recently, only about a few, maybe three, four weeks ago, and and um, failed the physical, even though he expected to pass it. And this was a third blood clot. And now all of a sudden people are like, okay, well, he doesn't have that gene for recurring blood clots, but he keeps getting recurring blood clots. So what the hell is going on here? And doctors just don't feel either. And and David and I have talked about this obviously a lot. And the one caveat we always say, we're not doctors and we don't even play doctors on TV. Like we don't know anything. And, um, but when there's three blood clots, I don't care if you have the gene or not. That's weird. And that's too mysterious to let this guy get on the court. And so the issue with him is he could take blood cleaner, blood blood thinners and the clots aren't going to happen. But if you're taking blood thinners while playing basketball, if you get one cut or even a bruise that can in, um, you know, cause some internal bleeding even, then all yeah. of a sudden you could literally just bleed to death on the floor, which is wow. ex- extraordinarily scary and frightening. Um, and so that's been Miami's issue. So the Heat have been cautious to allow Bosch on the floor. And there's been some theories from fans whether or not this is a conspiracy or not. And I don't really want to dive too much into that because it's really not worth it. But you can either look at this in two ways. The Heat have Bosch's well-being at heart. And they say, we don't want you on the floor because we like you as a person. We don't want you to risk your life for this. Um, you've accomplished enough. You've won two championships. You've gone to 11 All-Star games. You've, you've done enough here. Or there's the second thing. This team is post Dwayne Wade. They're rebuilding. Bosch doesn't really fit that rebuilding window. They're getting 40 games out of him a year at best. You know, the last two seasons, and and they have no idea how much he could play going forward. And they might want his contract, which is upwards of 20 million dollars a year. They might want that cap space to go chase a new free agent, a new star, a new player to build around because they don't really have that right now. Um, and that's really the the conspiracy side of it. 
I tend to think it's somewhere in the middle, like most things are in life. Mm-hmm. But that's really where we're at right now. Yeah, Jeff, before I, I move on to your weight question or your fans' weight question, I was curious to see if you, maybe you had a, a, a feeling for how Spurs fans or, or folks in San Antonio might be responding to the whole Chris Bosch news. Because I think, you know, and, and especially in context of what we've seen with Spurs culture, Tim Duncan being such a vital part of that organization for almost 20 years, the continuity, the fact that players have always, you know, looked forward to playing with that team and never really been forced out. And then, you know, again, in contrast to that, you see what's happened with Miami, particularly this offseason, where they lose arguably their best player in franchise history. And then Chris Bosh, maybe one of the top five players in franchise history, is kind of shown the door, whether it's for health reasons or salary cap reasons or somewhere in between, as Wes said. Um, you know, it's up to anybody's guess. But, you know, how do you feel or how do fans outside in, in, in San Antonio feel? Because I think Miami fans are somewhat torn, but I imagine it's probably a much more negative perspective outside South Florida. Uh, you know what? The Spurs uh, and maybe their fans can maybe empathize with the with Bosch and the Heat. And it could go either way. Let me give you the first couple of examples that kind of get close to what happened with Bosch and the Heat. The big one is Sean Elliott. Well, Sean kidneys, Elliott, yeah. yeah, he played with bum kidneys in the 99 finals till the end. And if you go and read the stories, apparently only a few people on the team, that, team, that championship team knew about it. Avery Johnson, Steve Kerr, and obviously Pop. And what he would do, he would go during after games and go on a, a dialysis, dialysis machine, yeah. yeah, just to be able to play the next day. He, he he left the game. He made a comeback and you know did what he could do. He ended up retiring. A second example is uh, Fabrizio Alberto. Mm. He left the Spurs and he retired prematurely because he had a heart condition. Wow. Uh, mm. And he called he called a quiz on his international career. He he got all the checkups. He got triple opinions. See if he can play uh, despite the heart condition. They gave it a go, and it still was still a reoccurring issue to the point where Pop said, "You know what? You're done. You know, not because I'm kicking you out, not because I don't want Fabrizio Alberto on the team, but there's there's more to life than just basketball." And I think. Spurs and the Spurs fans, if it's true, and if we go with the idea that Miami Heat were just like, you know what, Bosh, you got to go because life is bigger than just basketball. That's a typical Spurs response. It had to be right. reversed. I think that's what Popovich, the coaching staff, the ownership would have told Bosh if he wore silver and black. So if that's true, that's simply the purest reason why Miami and Bosh couldn't come to an agreement. So at least Spurs fans, it's kind of difficult to gauge them sometimes because, one, they rarely follow the heat unless it was in the finals. Right. Uh, or two, if you bring the, the question to them, they will respond the way I did, saying if it was Pop, they would have told Bosch, there's a door. I mean, again, not because they don't think the Pop would have thought that Bosch is a terrible player, but because of life. I mean, think of it recently. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the report with, the, or the article with David West. Yeah. Uh, when the Spurs lost to the Thunder last season in the postseason, Popovich wrote on the board, there's a bomb going off here. Somebody died over here. There's a shooting over here. Oh, by the way, the Spurs lost in the semifinals. Right. So they would have shown uh, Bosch the door, not 
and not for any reason, just for his life, just for life. So yeah. Spurs fans and probably the ownership could empathize and sympathize with Miami and the fans. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting dichotomy in how the Spurs and Popovich in particular is seen kind of as a very generous father who's always looking out for his players' best interests versus Riley, who's kind of seen, you know, working Machiavellian-like in the shadows and kind of forcing players out in this sense. So that's a, an interesting dichotomy there and and one that uh, I think fans of both uh, fan bases should be aware of. But if, if you can, I'm sorry. It's been so long now. And we've been talking about Bosch. Repeat the Wade question for me. I know it's about his, his, his ability to turn it on in the playoffs, but I think there was another yeah. part uh, a, a couple seasons ago, or maybe it was last season, uh, Wade uh, pretty much looked good throughout the regular season. But come playoffs, he just amped up his game. Right. What is it about him? Is it just that ability to do that? Is it a mental thing? Or does he save himself for those types of uh, games? I, I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. I think if you look at what happened the previous season – where he missed 20-plus games, a lot of people had written him off. And again, he was kind of embroiled in these annual contract disputes with Riley in the front office where he had to contend, kind of continue to prove himself. He had taken less money. He lost some money by opting out of his deal in 2014. He was hoping to collect it again. And then there was this constant renegotiation that led to a series of one-year deals. But he, he attacked the 2015-16 season with renewed vigor, fired his longtime trainer, Tim Grover, and kind of rededicated himself, not just to strength, but more to, to stamina and being able to be out on the floor more regularly. And he did wind up playing, what was it, 74 games, Wes? Yeah, During the regular season. Games. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he, he, he had a benchmark of 75 regular season games, and then one game he took off to be with his son. Um, and, and, you know, yes, as you alluded to, he was certainly consistent during the regular season, or not necessarily consistent. He was productive. Uh, the consistency right. has always been an issue as he's aged. And I think there was also a shifting philosophy there as Dragic wanted to run the ball more, as Whiteside needed more touches, and other veterans, including Bosch during the first half of the season, Luol Deng, uh, and then James Johnson. I mean, sorry, Joe Johnson, who was added for the playoff push towards the end of the season. So a lot of guys needed touches. Wade wasn't necessarily a high-usage player, although he handled the ball quite a bit. He did facilitate a lot of the offense. He wasn't looking to score as much, knowing that everybody else needed their touches. And then when you look at what he had to do in the playoffs, yeah, he, he maximized whatever you know matchups he had. I think he, he totally burnt Courtney Lee in the first-round series against the Hornets. He took advantage of DeRozan against the, in, in the, in the, against the Raptors. Um, he was able right. to pretty much do whatever he wanted on the floor. And, and part of that is, I think, his mental makeup. Um, but I think he's also, you know, he just wanted to take over at that point. It was less about distributing and facilitating and more about saying, look, I've carried the team for better, for worse, for 13 seasons. I'm going to continue to do so. And I think he's just that kind of a player. I mean, he, he still has that ability. It's just been less and less frequent over the years. I mean, I think he hasn't been at his peak really since 2012 uh, when the team was – you know, in the midst of their 27-game win streak, and 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 uh, or that's right, 2012-2013, and then and they right. went on to win the championship, as you well know. Uh, but uh, yeah, wait, <laughs> wait, yeah, sorry. Um, well, when yeah, they wait. when the people talk about playoff experience, when they're like signing free agents, even when we were just talking about Dion Waiters, you know, you want a guy with playoff. That's exactly what they're talking about. I think at the end of the day, Wade just knew how the game changed once you got into the postseason. And he understood how to perform and to excel 
on that sort of stage and in that sort of basketball environment. And when you've done it for 13 years plus, basically, almost every season, then you just have a feel for it and you understand what it takes to get to that level. You understand that you have to play the whole 48 minutes and, and you have to be in lockstep that entire time. There's no, there's no minutes or possessions off. And that's, it's easy for us to say that, but for a player to be in that zone and stay in that mindset for an entire game, I think that's what people are talking about when they say, okay, we want to get a guy with playoff experience, with championship experience. That's exactly what Wade brought. And I think that's just, we've seen it with Tim Duncan, you know, in the past. We saw huge games from him after just kind of going through the regular season, you know, the the whole marathon yeah. regular season. We've seen it from Duncan where he just comes out out of nowhere with huge games out of the postseason. But we're talking a lot about players that aren't even on either of these teams anymore. <laughs> I, I wanted, there is preseason basketball being played. Um, both of these benches in particular are really, really turned over for both of these teams. Um, this question is for Jeff. Who among those bench guys has impressed you the most, those young guys? Like, who are you most excited about or impressed by? Well, you know, heading into this show, I would have jumped right away and said Davis Bertans, but... The last two games, it's been Bryn Forbes, the undrafted uh, shooting guard out of Michigan State. In the last two preseason games, uh, well, let's start off with Detroit, uh, eight points in 13 minutes. He shot 75% from the field and he shot 67% from deep. He's known as a three-point shooter. Uh, against Orlando, nine points in 12 minutes. He went uh, four from five for the field and two for three from the three-point line. This kid is just displaying an all-around shooting touch. And that's exactly what the Spurs are looking for from their guards or a stretch four like Bertans, which I'll touch out in a bit. Uh, you know, with the likes of Pau Gasol, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge pretty much playing near the paint or in the paint with those three, why, and then having shooter that hopefully comes alive like Danny Green – uh, having two outside threats like Forbes or Green or both would be wonders for the Spurs bigs in the paint. Just create space for them to operate. So, so far, Bryn Forbes, at least in the last two games, has been looking stellar. I mentioned Davis Bertans, a kid that I've been loving since the Spurs received his rights on uh, the uh, George Hill, Kawhi Leonard draft day deal. Six foot eleven guy center that hits threes like it's nobody's business this kid is quick he's fast he's long he's athletic he can run the floor he can block shots he can finish at the rim with authority he can rebound he is confident in a in a latvian media interview he did over the offseason he said i'm he's expecting at least 15 minutes by the end of the season I and mean, he's this he's that confident and that's in a popovich system where he's not a big fan when it comes to the rookies. He doesn't play them a lot. But I think those two guys so far have been outstanding from the bench. You might want to toss in there maybe Mono Ginobili. The guy still has it on the tank then. But if you're looking at up and coming, those replacement guys that they brought in, Forbes and Bertans do it for me. David, anybody that really has stuck out to you in the Heat's preseason games? Oh, as far as a bench player is concerned, I yeah. think we have to go back to Waiters. Uh, I think he's been the guy who's really impressed. Um, while Spurs fans may not necessarily want to hear this, he's been active, as as Jeff alluded to. He's a facilitator, a shooter. We've seen some really nice moments for him. 
Uh, he struggled a little bit in the previous game uh, against the Wolves, I think, where he had seven turnovers. But uh, he, you know, he he wound up playing fairly well um, against the Nets again, and, and mostly in the second half. He had some turnover issues as well, but he has been, you know, trying to get other guys going on offense. He's he's clearly able to get to the rim at will, um, even against secondary defenders. And, you know, he's still an adequate shooter, I think. So he's going to be probably the team's biggest spark. I'm struggling at this point now to see if anybody else has stood out because it's been kind of a, a, a shooting guard by rotation, um, you know, as far as who started over the last few preseason games. And the same has been for the power forward position, which mm-hmm. is totally in flux now that, uh, you know, Bosch is no longer in the roster. And we've had one of a very uh, undynamic group to start every preseason games from Derek Williams to Luke Babbitt to James Johnson. They've all taken a turn at starting. Um, and they've all had, well, maybe not James Johnson, but Babbitt and Williams have had some nice moments. Uh, Williams in particular has impressed Wes and I, I think, with um, you know some dynamic ball handling, some pretty nice touch from outside, uh, athletic rebounding. And he's, he's, he's really running the floor alongside Dra- Dragic, which is what we're expecting for the season. You know, we want him to be the kind of guy to help out in transition offense. And he's shown flashes in that sense. Now, we've talked to other you know people who've watched him more closely throughout his up and down career. And they've basically alluded to the fact that he is very inconsistent. But so far, we've seen some nice things from him. As far as Barrett is concerned, clearly he has some weaknesses. Jeff, you may have seen him when he was in New Orleans a little bit more closely than we have. But so far, we've seen him be a very prolific shooter. And I think that's pretty much all that he brings. He's a weak defender and not necessarily a guy known for cutting to the basket or anything like that. So far, he's just been camping out along the perimeter. And he's been able to maximize that. And and that's something that Miami desperately needs is perimeter shooting. So those are the guys that really stood out from the bench. Hey, Jeff. um, Pop doesn't seem to be... I think he had an opportunity here with Duncan retiring to move even LaMarcus Aldridge to center. There are obvious limitations with Aldridge at center, defensively in particular. But I think there was an opportunity for him to say, okay, I see what the Warriors are doing, and we also want to go small. He didn't. He signed Pau Gasol. But do you think we're going to see some small ball lineups with Aldridge or even Gasol at the five and Kawhi Leonard at the four this season? Or in, in, in particular, I actually, do you think we'll see that in the preseason against the Heat? Well, the preseason against the Heat, uh, Lamarck Aldridge will not be playing. That's true. Uh, yeah, so you, the, the Heat fans will not be able to see that lineup from the Spurs. But as far as the regular season is concerned, no. I think they believe uh, in the anti-small ball in the offseason, I mentioned they picked up six foot eleven, seven footer Bertans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also brought in Dwayne Deadman, another center. Uh, I like him, Orlando, and which is a solid pickup for them. Yeah, I think going small for them, because if they do go small, your small center backup is David Lee. Not good, not good whatsoever. He's just terrible on defense. So. It, it, will they go small? Sure, they may do it a, a game here and there, but they, I think, having to go small last season helped when the Spurs had a guy like Boris Diaw on the court. Mm. That he's gone; he's no longer with the Spurs. He's now in Utah. So, who can be that Swiss Army knife player off the bench? Should they go small? Kyle Anderson jumps out at me. He's kind of like that weird height guy. He's an in-betweener for almost every position. Slasher, shooter, young. They call him slow-mo for a reason. He has a very slow game, but it's very effective. Right. So 
you're looking at him maybe to be plugged into a small ball lineup. But I think the Spurs are trying to just be the opposite of that right now. Instead of going smaller, they went bigger. Pau Gasol, Deadman, uh, case in point. So I think this Spurs team is really going to try to slow down the game, have an inside and outside game. Hmm. They're, they're going to have to try to do something because as constructed right now, obviously the regular season hasn't tipped off. You know, there's still the trade deadline. But as constructed right now, I don't think this Spurs team can contend with the Warriors. You mentioned the trade deadline. I want to float a trade by you. Dave and I, we both write for today's fast break. And I wrote a piece recently about possible Nerland's Noel trade. So I want to get your... I wrote about this one. What about um, Nerland's Noel to the Spurs for Danny Green and Deontay Murray? Would you do that no. if you were in charge of the Spurs? That's tempting. Replace That's Duncan a little... with a good rim protector. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's... there's uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a good... Trade that's well, that to me it. sounds like the George Hill for a draft pick trade. Like it looks questionable at yeah. first, but in the two, three, four years down the line, it really starts to pay dividends. Well, that's the thing. If the Spurs are willing to give this kid a oh Noel a uh, chance to develop, go for it. He's gonna have great role models around him on that roster. Lamarcus Powell, Pop is there, but I'm you know if it, if it means uh, trading away Green. Based on his performance the last few seasons, I say, yeah, sure, why not? You know, the Brett Brown is out there in Philly. He might do throw mm-hmm. the Spurs a bone. You know, he's part of that Spurs uh, family tree. See that being a factor, Dejounte Murray. That's where I kind of bite my uh, tongue. I'm like, okay, hang on, okay, let's just really look at this. Murray is a very promising kid. Yeah, that's the, the reason key of the why. Right there. I, yeah, that's the key. The reason why I'm, I'm a hesitant is because again, I want to preface this by saying. As constructed right now, the biggest issue heading into the Spurs season is the point guard spot. Mm. After Parker and Mills, it's a dramatic drop-off. You got a rookie, unproven NBA player, DeJounte Murray, Ryan Archidiacono, and Nicholas Laporvitola, a foreign guy out of Team Argentina. They have zero NBA experience. None. Maybe Laporvitola has the most pro experience playing in the Euro League, Spanish League, and the Olympics. But it, 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 that's the iffy part right now. Now, if the Spurs, I mean, the Philly was able to accept Green and maybe some of the draft picks, uh, draft rights to players the Spurs have stashed overseas. I guess with that, you know, Brett Brown knows what the Spurs have overseas. He's been in the organization for quite some time. Maybe I will go with that. But yeah, he is the key in all of this. But will I pull the trigger? Yes, I would. All right. Um, so Heat fans have been talking a lot about Justice Winslow, what his ceiling is. Dave and I, we've talked a lot about what it, what it might be. He's, he's worked a lot on his jump shot this, this summer, and it has shown here and there during the preseason. But again, his issue is consistency, and it hasn't been consistent. What was... I know we've compared him to Kawhi Leonard a lot. Like, his ceiling is Kawhi Leonard. What was... I think we all watched Kawhi his rookie season, but you, Jeff, watched him closer than anybody, I think. Yeah. And what were your apprehensions after Kawhi's rookie season? And have you watched enough of Justice Winslow to make an informed guesstimation on what his ceiling might be? 
you know, to, to compare him, at least the ceiling that is uh, loosely to Kawhi Leonard, is asking a lot. And I know that heading into the draft and during the draft, that's where the comparison was, the Kawhi Leonard. I get that. They play, they're in the same mold. I, I see that, but I think the jury is just still out for Winslow. I think the jury is still out. I can't make an informed answer right now because, first of all, Kawhi Leonard had a huge, I guess, advantage. He played alongside Tim Duncan. He played alongside Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili. He was able to gain that experience. He's coached by Pop. Not No knock on Spo. I'm not saying that, but we're talking about Popovich here. Mm-hmm. Um He's surrounded by one of the best uh, shooting coaches in the league, Chip Anglin, who could turn anybody's shot to even a better shot. So there's just that. And then there's the intangibles. Will Wilson have that competitiveness, that fire in him to be better every season? You see that out of Kawhi Leonard every season. Just when you think he hit a ceiling, he doesn't. I mean, even in this preseason, my goodness, he's – He's playing as if it's the NBA Finals every game in the preseason. It's that type of fire I still need to see out of justice before any determination is met. What do you think, did Dave? you see that? Did you see that from Kawhi his his rookie season though? Because I don't think I mean I, I know did. obviously yo, you I did. saw it. Okay, I, I saw it right away. You just the kid had something special because he didn't you know statistically he didn't like leap off the page or any or the box no. score necessarily but but he was still you think he was still in the process of developing and and evolving right. into the player we've seen today yeah he was the, that that uh, learning curve for him or that evolution curve for him was spiking fast so really, you're not really saying fast. you haven't uh, you haven't seen that from Winslow but you're it's not you're not saying that Winslow doesn't have it but you're just saying you haven't you haven't personally seen it from Winslow I personally haven't seen it. I haven't seen enough of him to say, you know what? I've seen this before. The guy wore silver and black in San Antonio and the two-time defensive player of the year. I see all that in Winslow. It's going to be exciting to see him play uh, tomorrow. I'm assuming he's playing, I'm sorry, later on tonight against the Spurs. He's not pulled out of the lineup. But that's one guy I'm keeping an eye on tonight is whether or not he is shows of flashes of Kawhi Leonard. And has he personally said any type of reaction to that comparison? Not that, Not I, that know. I know of. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think. I think he's he's kind of negated that because I think it's from what I've seen anyway. A lot of players don't necessarily want that kind of comparison because again, it's it's those are really huge shoes or maybe in his case gloves to fill. But uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I think you know he, he's kind of carved out his own niche. Last year was a different model for him because yeah, he was playing alongside that same kind of veteran leadership that you alluded to as far as Kawhi is concerned. You know, there was Bosch on the roster. There was Luol Deng. There was Goran Dragic, established veterans. Uh, and, and Winslow had a very spe- you know specified niche as far as he was coming off the bench. He was backing up Luol Deng. Um, he was just basically in there for his perimeter defense, which was excellent. Uh, and, and then his shot wasn't necessarily as strong as it needed to be. So there was some weaknesses there and, and, and definite room for growth. But now this year, with Wade gone, with Dragic more likely to take over the tempo and, and, and you know make it quicker, we're, we're expecting him to have, handle more of a facilitator role. And it's something that we've seen from him when we saw him in Summer League. Uh, we've seen that in flashes over the last couple of preseason games. And they want the ball in his hands, more creating offense for, for other guys on the team, kicking it out to shooters on the perimeter working alongside Whiteside as he dives to the rim, et cetera. So, you know, there is potential there because I think he does have, as we've talked about on a number of occasions, there's a very quick first step, 
Um, he can finish at the rim. He's athletic enough. He's long, obviously. It's just the shot needs to improve. They're working on it. They're, they've hired a, a shot doctor for the first time in franchise history, if you can believe it. So there's now a specified shooting coach on the roster. He's working closely with Winslow because, obviously, I think that's the, the biggest key for him unlocking his potential offensively. So before we wrap this thing up, what are you looking for? We'll start with Jeff here. What are you looking for from the Spurs and the Heat this preseason? What's When you're kind of preparing for, for this game, what are you looking for? I'm looking to see, again, who is going to make that last roster spot, spot for San Antonio. Heading into the preseason, the sentiment was that it was pretty much Patricio Garino's slot to lose uh the mm. kid is a uh, swing man uh that they uh, swiped up again from orlando uh, you should get a they, grammy I'm sorry, for your pronunciation of these names by the way i'm sorry you should get a grammy for your pronunciation of some of these names <laughs> you know what? when you cover the spurs as long as i have <laughs> and dealing with latvian players and serbian players and uh, argentinian players you have to like learn them fast and uh, fortunately i i have to write them down phonetically sometimes <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, for Patricio, another guy that many thought that it was his spot to lose. Normally, the Spurs claimed to swingmen uh, to fill that roster, that last roster spot. Case in point, Russell Butler last season, mm-hmm. and they've done it time and time again. But now, these new guys, Bertans, Forbes, uh, some uh, the occasional Murray, he'll have a good game are making a run at that roster spot. All those rookies are going to be spending a lot of time with the Austin Spurs, the D-League affiliate to the San Antonio Spurs. But they got to give it to one guy. So I'm looking right now at that battle, that battle for the final roster spot in the preseason for San Antonio. And, of course, seeing Powell get integrated to the system, see Kawhi still be Kawhi. Can Danny Green shake out of his struggles in the preseason, guys? I'm not kidding you. In, th- in the past three se- preseason games, Danny Green, three for 11 shooting, two for eight, two for eight from deep from three-point line in the last three. So I don't know what's going on. And he's getting minutes. It's not that he's getting two or five minutes or eight minutes. He's, he's getting about 10, 15, 18 minutes a game in the preseason wow. and still, still looking like he can't find his rhythm. Versus Orlando, he went 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 2 from the three-point line. Against Atlanta, he went 1 for 4 from the field and 0 for 3 from deep. So there's something going on with his shot. He needs to just work on it or see a psychologist because something is up with him. So I'm looking at that. As for the Heat, I'm really interested in, like you mentioned, Justice Winslow, seeing his development. How's he going to get better? And just seeing Miami move on. From the post big three era, they had the Spurs, the Heat. They had their uh, back and forth during the uh, the Heat's uh, heyday recently. But it's good to see them transition as well. How is Bo going to deal with that? How is Riley going to deal with that? But for me, when it comes to when I'm looking at Miami, it's not necessarily the preseason, the next season. I just want to see the ramifications of Riley and his decisions and how it affects free agency and players that are currently on the roster. They're going to be free agents. Will they leave because they see how he treated Wade and pretty much escorted him off to Chicago and whether or not there was some shenanigans going on with the Chris Bosh situation. Wow. David, what are you watching for in this preseason game? 
Well, a couple of things uh, on the heat side, I think, uh, you know, maybe a little bit general, but more consistency. You know, we talked about before the, the shooting guard position, the power forward position, Jeff, you may not know it, but we're awarding on a week on a, on a game to game to basis, game to game basis. We're having our power forward belt and that's open for sponsorship in case you're interested, because <laughs> the, the rotation is so weak at this point. That we're you, just you want me to sponsor it? We're if you have any, for you, any of hey, your friends, if you have any ideas. Yeah, get H-E-B if they want to sponsor. I know they're tired of the Spurs commercials. If they want to sponsor our podcast, we'd be more than happy to have them do it. Um, anyway, yeah, we're, I'm looking for consistency from them because it's just, uh, you know, there's been so much turnover, obviously, and we're looking for people to step up and, and be a little bit more productive uh, on a night-to-night basis. We've seen some good moments here and there. We've also seen some bad ones. So that's what I'm looking for. It might not be much, but that's that's pretty much what I'm looking for. And also the continued connection between Dragic and Whiteside, I think that's going to set the theme for the season more than often than not. And, and as far as whether or not those two players are connected and playing strongly, it'll probably lead to a heat victory or at least a strong showing if not a lot of victories happen this season. As far as the Spurs are concerned, I'm a little surprised you didn't mention it, that, that incredible connection between both organizations now fighting for the 15th man for the 15th roster spot, Joel Anthony. How could you overlook him, Jeff? Oh, my goodness. I, you know why? Because it's hard for me to see him make the roster right as of right now. It's hard for me to see that. They're, the Spurs are high on Deadman. I really think that. And they look set with Powell, LaMarcus on the roster. I mean... I mean, look, there's, there's uh, always... There's always a spot for guys with Joel's experience. Yeah. I mean, I think... Make him the backup point um, guard. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm you know, sure because, well, for me, it's funny you mentioned the backup point guard. It's because I mentioned the, the, the point guard spot is a little iffy right now. No. No, Joel Anthony's go, not your answer. He's not your answer. Yeah, he can't he's, handle he's the ball. I hope, you <laughs> <laughs> I hope you realize that. That was a huge joke on Wes's part. If it fell flat, we apologize. But, I mean, Joel Anthony's <laughs> like, ball handling... That was a joke? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. He it's he's not Carl Anthony Towns. When it comes to offense, he is not gifted. And you know, but that's the whole thing. He can he can finish at the rim given enough space. He'll work very hard. He'll continue outworking everybody even at this point in his career. He'll get a couple rebounds, a block shot here and there. He's good for that. I mean, it's funny. I, I you know, I saw the game yesterday against Orlando. He got his minutes and he 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 played well. 7 points. I think he had 4 or 5 rebounds, a block shot, a steal. Those are eerily similar to his stat line, his stat line throughout his whole career. He's just that kind of consistent player. Not great, not bad. He's just going to go out there and work hard. There's a role for that. I mean, maybe not in San Antonio, because I understand that they're in, as you called it, a transition phase, uh, a rebuilding. What is it? One point out. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe he doesn't fit there, but uh, he, I think there's still I, a place a- for him in the NBA. I'm not sitting here saying that Anthony would not be a great addition to San Antonio. I think he would be. I think he's a typical Spurs pickup. Yeah. That's that's a Spurs pickup right there. A Joel Anthony. Yep, that makes sense. That's the Spurs. But is he willing to take a back seat to the 15th spot? Yes. Yes, he is. He he would be. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean you know, I talked to him yesterday. He's like he just wants to contribute, and I think that he just needs to be on the spot on the roster for that. I mean. He says he, it's not even if he's out on the floor. He just wants to be a positive presence in the locker room. I mean, I think this is a guy that recognizes 
his career is near an end, and if he can fit in there and help contribute to his first culture, psh, absolutely he'll take wait, it. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Did you say old and slow? Yep, that's a Spurs pickup right there. Let's sign him up. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I want to. I want Joel back in Miami, man. He could. He could contribute here. Well, the oh, how about this for the, for the Spurs fans that are gonna listen to this that are listening to this show right now? What would be like one thing, like one argument you can make to say this is why the Spurs need to keep Anthony on the uh, on the team? Oh. Uh, he's a really nice guy. I mean, uh, again, it's it's that you know. I can that see kind of him. I can see him just like sitting in a room with Pop and talking about everything other than basketball. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, look, the, the, if he does that, then he'll be a shoe in. <laughs> From a that's what you should have told him when you when you spoke to him yesterday. Just say, talk to Pop about wine, and you're in. Ooh. He's Canadian. I don't know if he drinks. Yeah, Canadians they drink. Uh-oh. Garbage. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, An international player too? My goodness, he is a spur player. (laughs) Does Canadian count as international now? Yes. Technically, it does. Barely. That barely counts. Barely. I mean, (laughs) I mean, do we technically say Tim Duncan was international, Virgin Islands? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, but we don't really consider him international. I don't know. Now we're getting into a whole other debate. Yeah, now the now the uh, show has gone off the rails. That's good because I was about to bring up the new Rogue One trailer. So better leave. <laughs> there we go. And how and Joel Anthony's performance in the new Rogue One trailer is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, he's the he's the stormtrooper. He, <laughs> um, he's probably the guy in the Darth Vader suit. Oh. <laughs> Joel Anthony and Darth Vader would be awesome. Um, you guys are like geeking out. Like the combination of NBA and. Nerd them are coming are fusing together right now. That's that's the basically the theme of several of our podcasts. I mean, <laughs> you don't get me started on comic books ever because it's, it's more likely to turn into a half an hour long rant and tying oh, in. Oh, it's funny. Yet last week I already caught up to the final uh, comic uh, book uh, ish publication of The Walking Dead, so <laughs> I know everything that's going on and more. I, I'm caught up, and I can just spoil the entire TV show right now if I wanted to. I think we'll edit that part out. Yeah. I stopped watching The Walking Dead like four seasons ago, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it took up drinking out. whiskey instead. <laughs> well, or just whiskey. only. Not instead, but just I got rid of The Walking Dead and just kept the whiskey part. But um, nice. I, I got it. Like, it was like, okay, they kill zombies. Zombies sometimes kill them. I got the gist of it. They'll all die at the end. <laughs> Like, well, it, it's funny. Our our, our locked on brother, our brother, uh, locked on Celtics, John Corrales. So very a great, good friend of mine, my best friend. And uh, every time we hang out, he always tells me, he goes, "You are the jockiest nerd I ever met." <laughs> that's a compliment. I so, guess, yeah. I guess that's a compliment. Yeah, no, but but he shouldn't be talking to you because he's a big Star Wars geek, huge. I think we all As have. Something, I am. I think we all have that As in common. I am. I think it's the narrative. We gotta tell. We gotta tell Locke to start a Locked On Nerd cast. Locked On Star Wars has legs. Oh my goodness! I, I, I we would have a marathon that would last weeks if I'm on it. <laughs> All right, we spent a week dissecting the trailers and stuff. Okay, we gotta wrap this thing up. Does anybody have any leaving comments that they want to? Yes, break open the, the trailer right now. Let's dissect it. <laughs> my YouTube is acting weird in my browser for some reason. To be honest. Oh, I, I saw it just right before we recorded the new trailer. How uh, my mouth just dropped. By the way, for the record, I am not a fan of The Force Awakens. I hated it. Oh, boy. Wow. I did not like it whatsoever. 
That's a whole other story, though. Yeah, I won't even touch that one. I think it's it's, yeah. it's time to wrap this up. Yeah, that's yeah. like we could go on for like another hour about the Force Awakens. Okay, let's let's wrap this thing up. You guys can get in touch with the show, both shows on Twitter, Locked On Heat for Locked On Heat, and at Locked On Spurs for Locked On Spurs. Those are the the Twitter addresses. Um, Jeff, do you want to shout out how uh, people can get in touch with your show in case they're listening? They don't know. Yeah, best ways to email me at jeffgarcia74 at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think about the San Antonio Spurs and life without Tim Duncan. No, on that note, that's when I should leave. Just going to go and cry right now. <laughs> um, well, you can get in touch with Lockdown Heat at that Twitter account that we just mentioned and by email at lockdownheat at gmail.com. Send us mailbag questions, which we do every Monday. You can you can uh, leave comments. Tell us about how great the show is. You know the usual stuff. All right. Big thanks and, to everybody and sponsor, for sponsor and sponsor their segment. Yeah, we're still looking for a sponsor for the cha- the power forward belt. So we're looking for anybody except for um, uh, supercuts. Not you guys. Everybody else is welcome. Um, all right. <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. That was that was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, that was cool. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.